If the playoffs were to start today, we have some pretty interesting matchups in the Western Conference. We preview some of them right now on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. I am Brad Holden from Locked On Oilers and joined as always every Tuesday by Dane Lewis from Locked On Stars. Dane, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We're we're knocking on the doors of the playoffs and so I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about these potential matchups today. Obviously, it's not all set in stone, but I think we're, we're getting a pretty good idea of who we're going to see. That is exactly right. And we were kind of previewing, looking at the standings before uh, we got on here and previewing some of the standings here and what some of these matchups might be. uh, These are pretty exciting matchups coming up. We're going to start off with the Pacific Division in just a second, but also coming up in the Central Division. If we were to ask you, where these teams would end up even in the first quarter of the season? Would you believe us? Because looking at the standings and the potential matchups, I don't think Winnipeg Jets fans would have said yes one way or another. And then we will wrap up today's episode with uh, playoff contending next season, Vancouver Canucks, question mark. They are uh, weirdly good late in the season with a brand new regime. So are we talking some playoff hockey next season with the Vancouver Canucks once again? We're having the same conversations as last year we did. But either way, all that and much more on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you find your podcast. Alrighty, let's start off with the Pacific Division, which... Right now, kind of seems like it has the more solidified matchups, but you never know. But right now, as it stands, the Vegas Golden Knights standing on top of the Pacific Division. Right now, they would face off against the Winnipeg Jets as they are not only the number one seed in the Pacific Division, but the number one seed in the Western Conference, taking on that second wild card spot. And the Winnipeg Jets as well have been in a very interesting situation all year, starting with this offseason, with the new regime, new coaching, seemed like maybe Mark Shifley won't be there. Maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois won't be there. How will this team play? Well, Josh Morrissey and the rest of the Winnipeg Jets have come out, seemed like they were one of the best teams in the West. And then over the last, since the All-Star break, really, Winnipeg Jets have not been the Winnipeg Jets of the start of the season. Dane, is this a really big matchup for the Winnipeg Jets? And do you think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to kind of maybe not walk all over them, but is this more of a favorable matchup for the Golden Knights here? 
I think so. I think from a personnel standpoint, in terms of skaters, the the Golden Knights just have an, an advantage. I won't say a clear advantage because Winnipeg obviously has some really good guys and you know, Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, I think is maybe going to be a Norris finalist. I mean, they've had some guys who have had some really good years, but the production obviously has kind of taken a, a bad turn the second half of the season where they were at one point, you know, kind of going back and forth with Dallas for that number one spot in the central, even number one spot in the Western conference at times. But now they're kind of hanging on by a thread with Calgary and Nashville potentially coming up on them quickly. Um, but, but there is one piece that they have that I think gives them a, a glimmer of hope. And that's of course, Connor Hellebuck. I think this could be a similar matchup to what we saw last year in Calgary and Dallas, where, you know, everyone said, well, the flames have Johnny Gaudreau and they have, uh, Matthew Kachuk, they have all these pieces like that. They, they should win this series easily. And then Jake Ottinger comes in and gives the stars a fighting chance, forces seven games. I don't know if the Jets have quite that same, you know, level level of talent on the team that the stars have. Cause I think the stars had a sneaky good team last year, but I think with a good goalie like Connor Hellebuck, he could certainly make some of those games interesting. I think Winnipeg has the advantage in goal. I know Vegas has kind of had a revolving door as of late. And, and I think they have guys who could certainly get the job done, but I would not be surprised if the Jets steal maybe one or two games and force this series, potentially, if, if it does happen, to go to maybe six games with the play of Connor Hellebuck because he's been one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie, in the NHL this season. Now, we'll get back to the Winnipeg Jets and some of their expectations that uh, they had coming into the season in the Central uh, Division, but the Vegas Golden Knights, you mentioned that they kind of have a revolving door uh, of goaltenders coming in. Jonathan Quick has come in. Laurent Brassois got a win recently against his former team, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Aiden Hale came in as well and has been a goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights as well. And Logan Thompson, in his first game back, from injury after six weeks, gets injured again. Uh, he was sent home on that trip. Doesn't look likely for a little while now. Are the Vegas Golden Knights vulnerable? And not only in this uh, potential series with the Winnipeg Jets, but do you think they're vulnerable in a longer run in the playoffs here? I think a little bit, uh, just because I think the deeper you go, you're going to be facing likely more experienced teams and other teams that won't just have good goaltending, but that have, you know, at least three, if not four, very good lines, uh, a few good defensemen outside of just one, like Winnipeg with Josh Morrissey kind of leading the way there. You're, you're going to be facing, you know, the the Edmontons of the world, the Colorados, Minnesota, Dallas, some of those teams that maybe are a little bit deeper. And it's not to say that Vegas isn't deep. They they have Eichel, Stevenson, Marcia. So like they, they have very, very good players. But I, I just don't know if their depth can go up head to head with other teams' depth uh and, and like they could against Winnipeg. I think that maybe, you know, if things go perfectly, they they can maybe get out of that series quicker than I predicted. But I, I just don't know as high of a seat as they are, I just don't know if this is a team that really should be considered the favorites. And and that's just it's it's odd because uh, again you, I question the goaltending they they've had really nice stretches but isn't going to be enough to sustain you for winning four consecutive series it's, it's much easier said than done so I mean they're not a bad team I think that they've certainly if they claim this number one seed I think it's well earned and I don't think a lot of people expected it with again similar to Winnipeg a new coaching staff new regime uh, they lose Mark Stone earlier on in the season so I mean. 
to their credit, they've done very well to be in the position that they find themselves in. I, I just kind of, it's one of those, like, I have to see it to believe it type things in terms of their depth and how far they could truly make it if they are to make it past the first round. Now let's move on to the matchup that seems to be basically set in stone right now. A couple of points do separate the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights for a top spot. Well, three points separate second and first there, but the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings, this would be a rematch from last year. And the LA Kings have more experience. Their goaltending, goaltending situation seems to be weirdly figured out without Jonathan Quick. They added Vladislav Gavrikov, which was one of the biggest targets, defensive targets in the NHL this year at the trade deadline. Deneau, Kopitar, Deadly in the playoffs together. Plus, you can add guys like Kevin Fiala and some of their younger players like Quinton Byfield as well has stepped up to the plate. You re-sign a guy like Mikey Anderson. There's a lot of trust in this roster. They're going in with a probably very definite grudge against the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers are known for, well, allowing goals. They're not very well known for preventing goals. They're known for scoring goals. But the Los Angeles Kings are a very good defensive team as well. Do you think this matchup favors the more offensive Edmonton Oilers or the more defensive Los Angeles Kings? I almost want to lean defense because that's kind of the the saying in the NHL, right? Is like you win playoff series because of defense and goaltending and special teams. And, you know, the defense wins championships is the whole, you know, sports mantra around the world. But this isn't just any like regular Joe offense that Edmonton is bringing to the table. This is Connor McDavid playing like prime Wayne Gretzky and, you know, Leon Dreisaitl in all reality, not too far off with, I mean, a, a Somehow he's 46, 68, 114 with his numbers and only the second player on his team statistically because Connor McDavid is putting up those incredible numbers. But it's not just those two. It's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has 91 points, Zach Hyman. Uh, and, you know, they make those moves at the trade deadline to add guys uh, like Ekholm. And, and the defense is playing a lot better, at least from what I've seen in Edmonton. And so I don't think it, it clearly favors one team or another. But I think we could be looking at a similar series from last year that's tightly contested, goes six or seven games, and ends up being one of the most entertaining series of the playoffs. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this one sticks because Kings-Oilers was one of my favorite series from the first round last year. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, but every single game was so physical and you could see, like, uh, hatred feels like a strong word because I don't know if these teams actually hate each other, but there was just that intensity every single second of every game. And I, I think we could be getting that again and maybe even elevated because again of what happened last year and so many guys returning for both teams. I don't, I don't really know which way to lean because I think both teams made appropriate moves in the off season and at the deadline to put themselves in a good position for a deep run. And it's kind of a shame that one of them is likely going to have to exit in the first round. And I feel like the winner could maybe find themselves going all the way to the conference finals. I think the other thing too, to remember here is that, the LA Kings have a healthy, relatively healthy Drew Doughty, which they didn't last year mm -hmm. going into the playoffs. That's another added experienced guy who has been there, won multiple cups, not a cup, not been there in the Stanley Cup finals or even in the playoffs. He's won Stanley Cups with an S. So is on Jacob Batar. Dustin Brown has retired. Jonathan Quick is gone. 
there is a potential for an LA Kings Vegas Golden Knights rematch with Vegas or, or matchup with uh, Jonathan Quick, and that that'd be pretty cool. But I, I, I 100% agree. You mentioned the big four of uh, McDavid, Drysaitel, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. There have been a lot of other surrounding Edmonton Oilers that have really stepped up. For a long time, the Edmonton Oilers have had bottom six issues, depth issues. We all know, oh, if you shut down Connor McDavid, the Edmonton Oilers are going to lose. Well, the Boston Bruins shut down Connor McDavid, and they lost 3-2 thanks to a Darnell Nurse point shot. And Darnell or, uh, Leon Dreisaitl got a secondary assist on that goal. Everyone else was... Well, not named Connor McDavid or Leon <laughs> Dreisaitl. The Edmonton Oilers also have in their bottom six now six players who have scored over 10 goals this year, which is a big deal for Edmonton Oilers fans seeing any scoring from the bottom six. But the fact that you're seeing guys score like Warren Fogle, Derek Ryan, who's four goals off of a career high in his career, Nick Bugue said, who has as many, if not, I haven't checked if uh, Jonathan Huberdeau scored recently, but mm, they're kind of in a scoring race together right <laughs> now. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers have had Ryan McLeod step up, play beyond his basically league minimum contract and a show me type deal well he's really shown everybody what he can do the Edmonton Oilers have made space with the moves like uh moving yes to have guys like clean cost and Devin Shore who stepped up as well and the Edmonton Oilers can still add Dylan Holloway to their lineup as well we talked about the defense too with Ekholm and and Darnell Nurse is a very everybody talks about oh that nine million dollar contract. Well, if you take a look at his actual market value, he's playing to about an eight point six million dollar market value right now. So, I guess you're paying that point seven million or point seven or seven hundred thousand dollars to play in Edmonton. Basically, that's not bad. I guess I would also play in Edmonton for seven hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> but. The Edmonton Oilers have drastically improved. Their only thing is their play in net. But let's wrap up quickly. We'll talk more about the Seattle Kraken it, along with the Central Division because they would be playing a Central Division team. But I just want your quick thoughts on whether or not you thought the Seattle Kraken would be anywhere near this conversation at this point in the season. Oh, absolutely not. If you asked me, if you told me at the start of the season that Seattle would potentially be a top three team in the Pacific, I would have asked, I would have been like, oh, they they made some move at the deadline, like a massive, like a Patrick Kane type move or something like, yeah, Timo yeah. Meyer, uh, you know, Eric Carlson, something. But yeah. I mean, they've they've done it without making too many big moves. And I mean, that that's a testament to the guys on that team, the coaching and, and making, I, I think I've heard it, 32 thoughts or some national brand saying the most most improvement we've ever seen from an expansion team from year one to year two. And it seems like unless they just have a, a complete and total collapse, it seems like they're going to make the playoffs in year two, which is pretty impressive, especially given where they finished last year, which was pretty much at the bottom of the barrel. And, and I mean, it seems like a nice situation where you what the fourth overall pick, you get Shane Wright and then you make the playoffs in the same year. Not too shabby, not too shabby. Decent, decent. Uh, me and Erica from uh, Locked On Kraken, we had a in a conversation at the start of the year on Locked On Kraken discussing or a crossover between us. And uh, we discussed that 
Seattle seemed to be, we had this uh, now defunct soccer team, Canadian Premier League team called FC Edmonton. They weren't very yeah. good. And people dubbed Edmonton FC Opportunity. And we that was kind of our conversational piece with uh, the Seattle Kraken to start the year. They were FC Opportunity or HC Opportunity, if you prefer, Hockey Club Opportunity. And they have taken advantage of that opportunity. And now we see a potential playoff matchup for an expansion team still in the NHL. That is going to be exciting. We will preview that matchup, whether or not the Winnipeg Jets fans thought they would be in this predicament at the start of the year. Well, they've had a lot of different things as well, but a very tight race as well at the top of the Central Division and some very exciting matchups to talk about. We will talk about that in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that is one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads which team will be cutting down the net which uh i had ucla i don't know about you dane but uh you're not not You're telling me you didn't have the FAU Owls in the Final Four? You know what? No basketball powerhouse FAU. I have a personal thing with FAU right now. (laughs) I I don't want to talk about it. Either way, it is all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All righty, Dane, we'll talk about uh, the the Winnipeg Jets in just a second again, because I do, I, I, the, we had a very interesting conversations uh, on Locked On NHL about where the Winnipeg Jets were going to be. Then all of a sudden they were at the top, then not so much. But it's a very exciting battle in the Central Division from one to three right now. But right now, Sitting at the top of the division is the Minnesota Wild in a place that's starting the year as well, not a very, on pace with the Vancouver Canucks. They were not a fantastic start or did not have a fantastic start to the season, but right now, top of the Central Division, they would face off against the Seattle Kraken. What has really changed for this Minnesota Wild team that has put them from a team that was well in the Connor Bedard race to the top of the Central Division? Yeah, it's it's a great turnaround story for them, and there was so many questions about this Minnesota team going into the season. They lose Kevin Fiala, and so the question was, who's going to be supporting Kirill Kaprizov? Because we know what Kaprizov can do, but who's going to you know, Phil Fiala's shoes, who's going to actually provide some depth scoring. There were questions in net because they had moved on from Cam Talbot and, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, who they got at the deadline last year. Could he sustain what he was doing? Could Philip Gustafson be an adequate second goalie? 
And, and all these questions have seemingly been answered. The goalie question, I feel like really all season, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, despite his age, is still playing pretty well. Philip Gustafson's been on a heater as of late, but the, the Wild have found their depth scoring, and it's evident now more than ever with Kirill Kaprizov injured. They have guys like Matt Boldy, who has nine points in his last five games, a hat trick last night against the Kraken. Uh, it's, you know, Ryan Hartman. Um, why am I for Matt Zuccarello? I was like, why am I forgetting this guy's name? He literally played for the Stars a few years ago. Um, but, I mean, it's all of these guys stepping up, and we're even now hearing stories that Kaprizov is slowly starting to reintegrate with the team i think he's skating a little bit so not doesn't look like he's going to immediately start playing again but i mean they're playing maybe their best hockey that they've played all season uh, and they're about to get their superstar back and so it really seems like the pieces are starting to come together for minnesota whether or not they can continue to sustain it what will be a good question i know that their schedule of the top three central division teams is probably the most difficult but again they're playing some of their best hockey and so if they can stay at this pace I think it'd be pretty interesting to see them finish top of the central because I don't really think anyone had them there. I think a lot of people had them in the top three, but I think everyone just kind of penciled in Colorado because they're Colorado and they they, they maintained a lot of their good pieces. So Minnesota, as much as it, it stings me as someone who covers the stars to see everything change so quickly, where now Dallas is third in the division, uh, it's, it's a pretty good story. And I, I have to imagine Wild fans are very optimistic heading into this postseason as opposed to last year where... I think they were excited, but also left with a bad taste in their mouth afterwards because I feel like a first-round exit for that team last year was a pretty hard pill to swallow. A hundred percent. I completely agree. You you bring up uh, Matt Boldy, which I want, I'll want to talk about him in a second, but I, I believe I mentioned this on the show last week, if I'm not mistaken, but I want to bring it up again. Chris Johnston did a poll uh, with the NHL coaches on who he or who the coach would vote for the Norris trophy with one vote was Jared Spurgeon. Mm -hmm. And I think I also mentioned as well that there has been talk or at least uh, the analytics departments of, of uh, deep hockey Twitter talk about how Jared Spurgeon should be an analytical hall of famer. He should be put into the hall of fame because of his analytics alone. They have a very underrated decor. They have this, they have Jared Spurgeon. They've had Matt Dumba for a long time. They added John Klingberg at the deadline as well. And very underrated Kalen Addison, 25 assists already this year in his first full year in the NHL after being up and down, and up and down between Minnesota and Iowa they have had a very strong development, not only with recent players like Matt Boldy and, and Kalen Addison, but they've also had that for a long time and have been able to stay consistent with players for a long time, like the Spurgeon, like uh, um, uh, Matt Dumba as well. They have really made a, a winning culture in Minnesota. And I think, I mean, Minnesota hockey is Minnesota hockey. I love Minnesota hockey. But I, I think they are such a strong team that the roots of this team are really starting to grow and show. And now the supporting roles and with a slight starring role with Jared Spur Spurgeon in that way, I think he's developed in such a beautiful way. I really love the Minnesota Wild. But let's move on to maybe the 
hard-hitting Central Division matchup right now, the 2-3 between the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars, Dane, host of Locked On Stars. How do you feel about this matchup right now? <laughs> we were talking about it before we recorded, and, and I, I feel like if this is the first-round matchup, especially with Colorado as the two, I, I'm just going to take a couple weeks off and clock out early. And I mean, I I, I really do. I, I love the Stars, I promise. I enjoy covering them. They've had a great season. But I'll, I've been saying all season, if they need to avoid Colorado in the first round, and obviously this isn't set in stone. There's still, what, give or take three weeks left in the season. Still plenty of time for the seedings to change up. But I, I mean, this is just worst case scenario for the stars. They, they need to find a way to get matched up with Seattle uh, or maybe even Winnipeg in the first round, which is easier said than done J just because no one wants to face this Colorado team in round one, because we know what they bring to the table and they, they've kind of similar to Minnesota had that up and down season, but it's because of injuries, but they're, they're probably going to have most of their guys back. I know Gabe Landeskog hasn't played all this season and, as important as he is to the team, they're obviously fine without him with the likes of Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr. I mean, I'm just looking at this lineup, even guys like Evan Rodriguez, who only 34 points, but like 14 goals on the season. That That's great for them. I mean, this is a, a scary, scary team in Colorado who doesn't have excellent goaltending, but I mean, I think they have guys who, who can get the job done because they're going to be getting that that scoring that they need. They're going to be getting the offensive output that they need. And so Dallas, while they have Jake Ottinger, who's probably going to be their rock in the playoffs, he's been their rock all season. Is it enough to get past Colorado? I, I just don't necessarily see it because this Colorado team is, I mean, they, they are not destined to repeat, but I mean, it just feels like similar to Tampa Bay the past few years where they're, they're just kind of a, a wrecking crew in the postseason. So I think it'd be a, a good matchup, an interesting matchup, probably goes to maybe six or so games, but just from a Dallas perspective, I, I it, it's not good. And the Stars defensively have just been a mess down the stretch, and, and while the goaltending's been good, the defensive play around the crease has been a little bit sloppy, and the Stars have lost so many games in overtime this season. It's finally starting to catch up with them, those 14 overtime losses, where you say, well, at least they got a point, but now it's, you know, you left so many points on the table and now you're you you face the idea of not having home ice advantage against the defending champions in round one. Not a great situation for them. And, and I imagine Colorado would be pretty thrilled, although I still think Colorado has a great chance to get to that one seed. And then if we're talking Minnesota, Dallas, I feel a little bit more confident in that series than I do uh, Dallas, Colorado. You bring up a good point with the uh, home ice advantage, too. I think that can even go back to the Oilers Kings, too. The mm -hmm. Oilers Kings went to game seven. The Oilers won at home and in game seven. You talk about this series with the Colorado Avalanche. Would you rather play in Dallas or would you rather play in Colorado, the experienced team who won the cup last year? I, I, I've said this before as well, so excuse me for sounding like a repeat, but the thing about the Colorado Avalanche that really gets me, yes, they have Miko Randon, who has been uh, unbelievable this season. Nathan McKinnon, who you cannot deny his talent. Kale McCarr, obviously, as well. You can't deny his talent. Out right now for the Colorado Avalanche, Gabriel Landeskog, Pavel Fransos, who won the Cup with them as well, Josh Manson, Arturi Lekkinen as well. You can even throw in Darren Helm. <laughs> 
For most of those guys, when they return, more specifically Gabriel Landeskog and Josh Manson, it's going to be almost like game one for them. It's the start of the season. For everybody else in that series, this is the playoffs. Their bodies, their games are ready for playoffs. They are playoff ready. And to throw in that many bodies who are probably not ready for playoff hockey, the first round is banging. It is, oh, now we can hit. Now we can really step it up a touch. Are they really going to be ready? I am not that convinced about the Colorado Avalanche. Have they been really good down the stretch with the amenities that they have? Absolutely. But we all know that all of those injured players are going to be in the lineup by the time the playoffs come. When you have a team, two teams that are basically all ready to go for the playoffs and you insert into one of them, half of them that are really ready for playoff hockey, I'm going to start leaning the other way. I'm not going to lie. Not that concerned about the the Colorado Avalanche. I, I don't know. I I may be. I, I'm sure I'm going to end up <laughs> get clipped, and they're going to lift the cup, and Locked On Abs are going to say, <laughs> which fair enough. Chris Chegavon Doom. They they are they are screen recording this right now, and they they are ready. I know that they have this <laughs> they have this clip, and they're probably like excited for a potential preview show for, for round one between us, because they're just going to be like, so you're scared of the, the avalanche, Dane. I'm going to say <laughs> yeah. 100%, 100%. No, you're guilty by association. You're coming yes. down with me. Yeah. Uh, all righty. Let's wrap up the central division with this topic that I've been kind of teasing for a while on today's episode. And that is the Winnipeg jets. The Winnipeg jets have, I think had, the craziest season of any team really in the NHL came into the year. Rick bonus coming in, which you have uh, a history with as well. You know, quite well, he comes in and everybody goes, mm, it's a transition year. Mark Shifley sits on the podium at the end of the year after missing playoffs going, I don't know where this team is going. I'm going to have to talk to my agent. I don't know. Everybody goes, ah, what's going on here? Pierre-Luc Dubois, it seems like tampering's going on, going on Twitter or, or his, going, his agent's going out there going, he's definitely going to Montreal. That doesn't happen. Now they have this weird predicament with if they don't trade him, then they have to. he becomes a restricted free agent. We all know he's going to Montreal. Then if they match the offer, they can't trade him, blah, 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 blah. A very convoluted situation. Connor Hellebuck. Fantastic goaltender has really showed himself to continue to be that top goaltender in the NHL. And Josh Norrissey has been absolutely off the charts for the Winnipeg Jets. But they started off one of the best teams in the NHL, hit basically Christmas, kind of faltered, but continued going. They, they had a big win in Edmonton. Uh, on New Year's Eve. And then All-Star break happened. Since then, the Winnipeg Jets now sit in the final wild card spot after sitting and having fights numerous times for number one spot in the Central and Western Conference. They now sit in the final playoff spot. Dean, 
I don't even know where to start with this question, but what has been going on in Winnipeg? Could you imagine being a Winnipeg Jets fan right now? I, I can't just because this is, I agree with you. This is maybe the weirdest season of, of the playoff teams in the Western conference of, I remember similar to what you and Erica talked about. I did a crossover with Harrison over at, at locked on jets preseason. And we both were like this jets team. We could totally see them missing the playoffs. A lot of, you know, it's a top heavy division with Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota. We thought St. Louis was going to be really good. We even thought Nashville might be a little bit better than Winnipeg. It's like, but I, I could also see them sneaking into a top three spot in the division, surprising a few people because they have Connor Hellebuck. They have, you know, Kyle Connor and they had, you know, Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, who, while they might not always have the most staggering numbers, they're, they're consistent guys that have been a part of the Winnipeg Jets brand for so long. And, and so it's really been shocking. I mean, at one point they were or at several points, really first in the central division near the top of the Western Conference. But I, I feel like now we're starting to kind of see the Jets that the people expected, this team that's kind of on the bubble of making the postseason where they certainly do have good pieces. They have good players. I think Rick Bonus is a fine coach. I don't, I mean, obviously in Dallas, he got his team to a Stanley Cup the year that he had to take over as the interim and he had them in contention the following year with the roster of basically half AHL players. And then they make it in his, his second full season as head coach to the playoffs and are an overtime goal away from advancing to round two. So I think he he deserves a lot of credit for his coaching, but at the same time, there's a lot of flaws in his coaching, and and sometimes his teams tend to underperform, even with good talent. And I think that was kind of the story of the Stars last year, and it seems to be the story for the Jets this year, where there's promise, there's potential, but I don't really think anyone, and, and maybe Winnipeg Jets fans don't feel this way, but I just don't know how many fans of this team really think that the Jets have a shot to go all the way and to actually compete in this postseason bracket, given some of the other opposition that they'd have to face along the way. So I feel like it's nice in one way that you're probably going to make the postseason. We've talked at length about Calgary and Nashville and, and Nashville feels pretty far removed. They still technically have a chance in Calgary. I just don't really trust them to, to make the right moves to get into a playoff spot. So I guess it's a win in that regard. But I mean, how far is this Winnipeg team really going to go if they make it to the playoffs? A hundred percent. No, it's, it's just a weird full circle type moment, but either way we talk all this playoff talk and it's exciting. It's fun for all the teams in the playoffs and playoffs are coming up. They start uh, April 17th. I almost said October. I don't know why I almost said October. That would be the start of next year. This year has to end and that starts with the playoffs, but one team, that is not currently sitting in a playoff spot, which we were all thinking for some reason at this point last year might be in this point last this year. That may be confusing, but the Vancouver Canucks may be already making their bid for the playoffs next year. We will talk about that in just a second. Alrighty, Dana, this time last year in Vancouver and basically around the NHL, 
It was all about Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce, there it is. Vasily Podkolzin said it at the parting press conference. And everybody in Vancouver, Western Canada, the NHL was all about Bruce Boudreaux. Everybody remembers at the draft when he met uh, Kevin Owens from the WWE. And everybody goes, ah, you love Bruce Boudreaux. Vancouver's management didn't, and they didn't really, well, this may be relatively subjective, but they didn't really give Bruce Boudreau much of anything, really. Time, resources, players, and his time in Vancouver came to a very quick end when at this time last year, people thought they were going to be pushing for the playoffs. Now we're basically dead set in the same spot as we were last year with a brand new coach in Rick Tockett. But this Vancouver Canucks team has been putting up results that that Bruce Boudreaux team couldn't put up. In fact, they've won 12 of their last 16 games, Dane, and some wins against some pretty good teams. Do you think this team, yes, they are in the race for Bedard or battle for Bedard or whatever you want to say about Bedard, do you think this team may have a very good chance at pl- making the playoffs next year? I mean, Elias Pettersson is quietly having a 100-point season. So what what is what's about this team that people are kind of missing uh, on the Vancouver Canucks? I, I'm not really sure. And there's part of me that wants to have confidence and say, oh, this team might make the playoffs next year. But I took the bait last year and... <laughs> Everyone took the bait. I mean, that this was one of the biggest stories going into the year that, all right, they found their guy. But I mean, obviously, they only hired Bruce Boudreau halfway through the season, but they thought they, everyone said a full season with Boudreau, Elias Patterson, JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, like Brock. I mean, all of these pieces, Besser, and then you add Andre Kuzmenko to the mix. And, and you think, okay, like this team has a shot. And we didn't really know what to expect from teams like Seattle. And I think even Vegas, there might have been a few question marks surrounding them. Uh, with coming into the season with basically a rookie goaltender and Logan Thompson. And so it, it, there was a, murmurs and understandably so, but now it feels like we're literally in the same spot of, okay, maybe Rick Tockett is the answer. And, and I feel like it's, it's a mix of maybe Tockett is doing a good job. I think he has those guys playing hard, obviously. So with what you said, winning 12 of their last 16. And, and I think even some of the guys that they got at the trade deadline, it seemed like they were the sellers, but guys like Anthony Beauvillier are coming in and playing incredibly well. 17 points in 24 games with this new team. Even guys like Dakota Joshua are playing mm. incredibly well on the ice. It, it's it's interesting to see Thatcher Demko has come in. I know he was injured for a bit. He's put up some pretty some pretty honorable performances, but I, I just don't know if I buy it. And I feel like mm. it's just because this happened last year. And also, as good as Rick Tockett has this team playing right now, is it sustainable? Because historically, and and I know we we talked about this when Tockett got hired. He hasn't had the best track record in terms of coaching. And maybe this, you know, they make some moves in the offseason and they add some different pieces to the team and maybe things work out for them. But at this point right now, I think it's just too early to tell. So I can't necessarily get on board and say with certainty that Vancouver is going to be contending for a playoff spot. It'd be a great story. I feel like it's long overdue for the Canucks and their fans to have a team to get excited about and a team that's playing meaningful games, you know, in late March, early April, I just don't know if we're going to see it. And that part of it's because of the Canucks themselves and also what we can, you know, likely expect from some other teams in the Pacific with Edmonton, 
likely going to be looking to hold their core together. I, I mean, if they make a deep run, Vegas, Seattle, even Calgary, depending on what happens with their offseason, I think there's just too many question marks to say with 100% certainty, matter of fact, that we can see this Vancouver team gunning for the playoffs next year. Yeah, careful what you say about that core and the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers fans might get a little <laughs> might get a little jittery there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, you bring up a, a, the, the thing too is the they also brought in Ilya Mikheyev, who was one of the bigger mm. uh, free agents in the off season too. They brought in some uh, relatively good addition. That's not a top end addition, and they kind of handcuffed themselves with or handcuffed themselves with the uh, Horvat or JT Miller or or Connor Garland type deal. But I think the guy who also gets kind of lost in everything is Andre Kuzmenko, who has the most amount of goals by a Vancouver first year Vancouver Canuck ever in franchise history. I think he could also technically be in the conversation for uh, the rookie of the year as well. Technically, I think he's 27, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Again, having uh, Elias Pedersen, 93 points in 71 games. JT Miller has 19 points in the last 13 games. They are getting production from players that they need to get production from. Uh, uh, Quinn Hughes is obviously a fantastic defenseman as well. And the fact that they can have the ability to keep them long-term. I think now the the big thing, and I, we talked about this when uh, Bruce Boudreaux was f- released. I don't want to say fired because we all know what really happened, but mm-hmm. mutual release, I guess. But the thing about the Vancouver Canucks and why they ended up bringing in Rick Tockett at the time they did now was now he's able to get a really good hold as to the team that he has, the team that he wants, and with the core that he has now and create the core that he has now and then create the team around that core. He's had basically this whole half of the year to do so, and now we're probably seeing the fruits of said labor in Vancouver. A lot of conversation today. We talked about, uh, what, eight, nine teams today. Thank you for sticking around all 43 minutes right now. But let's wrap up today's episode of Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. Dane, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Dane double underscore Lewis and on they can find Locked on Stars on social media as well. Instagram, Twitter, just search Locked on Stars and same for the podcast. If you're if you're interested in sweating out the rest of the regular season with me and the rest of the stars fan base as we try to climb back up to the top of the central and avoid that first round matchup with Colorado. Uh, it's 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 the place to be. It's it's a fun time right now, but everyone's a little bit on edge. So <laughs> big, big game on tap tonight against Chicago, which feels weird to say because Chicago is not doing well. I think they've lost five straight games. <laughs> they're without Patrick Kane. They're without Max Domi now. So feels weird saying that that's a big game, but it's a huge two points for the stars. So that's uh, that's where the people can find me. But what about you, Brett? You can find me personally at the real Holden 40. That is on Instagram. That is on Twitter. That is on TikTok. I think my Smosh fan forum account <laughs> is still at the real Holden 40, but you don't care about me. You care about the Oilers and you can find locked on Oilers at, on Twitter at locked on Oilers. And you can also find us on YouTube. If you haven't already subscribed already, 
what are you doing? I haven't changed that Ilya Brzgalov jersey in a very long time. I think it's time to do so. You should let me know what to do in the YouTube comments there. But you want to talk about big games? The Edmonton Oilers, the Vegas Golden Knights tonight in Vegas. That is going to be a big game. A lot of big games coming down to the wire. And hey, our big game isn't against what the worst team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, that's actually a game that matters. A, yeah. a, true, a game with actual uh, sub sustenance. Sustenance. That's the right word. That's the right word. Nobody called us English majors. We're that's just right. here to talk hockey. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us today. Have a wonderful night.